Well, hello, it's Pastor Carson from Calvary Tabernacle. Thanks for stopping by the podcast. We hope that it's a blessing to you, whether you're catching one of the Sunday or Wednesday messages, or maybe you're jumping on to listen to one of the Saturday snapshots. We're doing everything we can right here in the beautiful Fountain Square area of Indianapolis to try to reach and connect and disciple people towards Jesus Christ. Enjoy what you listen to, and I hope that it's a benefit to your life. John chapter 4. I have a great affection for this text. And you got to forgive me because I was going to preach something else this morning. But in devotion this morning, the Lord wouldn't leave me alone. <laughs> Thank you. So for whoever this is for, I'm going to preach to you and I'm going to tell you my title before I ever, before I ever read my text. I'm going to preach to you about whimpering at the well. Whimpering at the well. It's at John chapter 4 where we see this story play out. This woman of Samaria is sitting there. And we'll, we'll talk through the text a little bit so I won't spend a long time. But I will tell you that in verse 11, after Jesus had asked for a drink, that woman said, you... You don't have anything to draw with. The well, it's deep. Are you greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well? Jesus said, whoever drinks of this water is going to thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him, shall never thirst. Jesus took her physical question and turned it into a spiritual answer. Water I give him be be a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The word well there in verse 14, the Greek, it means a spring. He said, you're talking about a well, I'm talking about a spring. Something that won't stop bubbling. That's what living water really was. Not dormant water, but living water. Verse 24. Verse 23, rather. The hour comes and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship you. God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. I I, I know the Messiah is coming, which is called Christ, she said. When when he comes, he'll, he'll tell us all things. Jesus said, I that speak unto thee, am he I'll throw your hands towards heaven with me would you and pray just pray just a little bit pray just a little bit that God mm, would do something sovereign spectacular 
Holy God, we need you in this house. We need you to do a work that only you can do. I pray you'd help me to preach what I feel, what I feel directed by you. I pray you'd bless every ear to hear, every heart to receive, every mind to comprehend. Help us to focus on you this day. This is not a new text, but this is a new day. And we need fresh blessing. We need fresh help in this house. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And everybody say amen. God bless you. Before you're seated or even as you're seated, go ahead and turn to a couple people around you and tell them there's a whimpering at the well. There's a whimpering at the well. We were all called into the living room. Me and my two other siblings called into the living room and there, Brother Galleon, we were given fresh instructions on where we were and were not to play. My mom was... Extremely frantic. I'm not kidding you. You don't go anywhere you're supposed to, not supposed to be. Parents at times can get paranoid. You know you can. If you're guilty, say I. And all the opposed, same sign. Just kidding. I, uh, I was sitting there, six years old, I was six years old. The year was 1987. I, I was sitting there and I was wondering why the barrage of statements. Had I gone behind the bed where I was not supposed to? Yes, yes I had. Had I tried to make my sister hide in that area where she couldn't really fit? Yes, yes I have, yes I have. But this outbreak, this most recent concern seemed to be as though it were out of nowhere. What's this about? What's the problem? Six-year-old mind. All I wanted to do was get back outside for either kickball or wiffle ball, whichever one it was that day. Vacillated between the two and both of them were the most important thing in my life. <laughs> Until she began to go into this story about and if there's any holes in the ground, you stay away from them. What? My first response was, are you okay? What did we do? You know, because sometimes as a kid, you can get in trouble for things that you did a while back. And parents just never said anything, but they snap. Some of you married folks do it when you argue. Anyway. But that's when she began to tell us the story, and I didn't know anything about it. Many of you in here will remember the name Baby Jessica. Now, oh, you feel that through the crowd? Some of you kids are like, Baby Jessica. Baby Jessica, that crowd that's there before you 
On the screen is a crowd that had gathered around the well, this hole in the ground that had been dug where baby Jessica, this small child, had fallen. She had gone missing and no one could locate her. IBC students, some of you have become nannies and that's what you do during your school time. Imagine that the young child, and it's devastating, I'm not making light of it, it's devastating that this young child had wandered off and when they could not find her, I mean could not find her anywhere, when they finally came to a hunch, they located at the bottom of an unplugged well the whimpering sounds of a small child. The microphone that had been dropped down into that deep well, it brought to light their, their, their fearful thoughts when they heard her tiny voice, her restricted body, that small child asking for help. It was not an easy process. It began to get national news coverage. The cameras came. The community came out there at Midland, Texas. And they gathered around and people began to pray. Prayer chains went across the world. Phone calls were happening. News coverage was making sure because even then it was okay to nationally talk about prayer. Hmm. People begin to pray and people begin to work because how many know that while you pray, you still work too? They gathered around and the experts begin to look. They begin to look at the plumbing lines, Brother Coogan, of how the well worked and where it went and what the angles were and intricate details because prayer coupled with a plan, coupled with work, has great opportunity to see great results. They begin to work tirelessly. This was not an easy process. This wasn't drop a rope down and grab the end of it and, and we'll pull you up out of there, Brother Cobb. That's not what this was. This was a tedious, painstaking, let's pray she can have the oxygen to survive. Let's pray that her body can stay alive. It was not four or five hours later, no, while parents set clamoring for news, sitting on the edge, asking for updates. It took 58 hours. 58 hours, Brother Ben, imagine that, to retract this small young girl. The name Jessica was an overnight household conversation. My six-year-old awareness was because her actions led to my teaching. I didn't like baby Jessica at first. But when I found out why I was being taught, I felt sorry even as a little kid for what was taking place. I can remember only being six years old, getting almost the hourly update of where she was and what was taking place. You'll see on the screen the, the, uh, uh, the emerging and what's taking place is, as they're lowering the individual down into the well as they're constructing and working. And, and this last and final picture, you can see that little arm there. Do we have one more? When baby Jessica is finally brought up out of the well. I mean, it was like all of the world applauded together. The questions were, how did they hear her? How did they find her? How did they get to her? 
And then the question, how did she survive? And it seemed like on everyone's lips were, thank God. Thank God. Thank God. You know, we could use a fresh baptism of thank God. Our world could use a fresh baptism of thank you, Jesus. Because while we might not be like baby Jessica, and we might not be like the woman at Jacob's well in John 4, we all have a lot of similarities with both of them. Without him. (laughs) And without the church, where would we be? Pause for a moment. Try, actually, Brother Gwaltney, if I really try to think through it for a moment, I'm overwhelmed at where I might be. I'm devastated to consider. And the frightful truth is how many people spiritually are still at the bottom of a well, whimpering for help they cannot get on their own. She was incapable of personal delivery. She was impersonal or incapable of personal freedom. All she could do was whimper. But all she needed was someone to hear. Hear. That whimpering. If you put that title slide back up, I preach to you today, whimpering at the well. Jews and Samaritans do not mix. They had heard it, Brother Sluice, since they were just young children. We don't mix with them. They don't mix with us. They live on that side of the tracks. We live on this side of the tracks. They're dogs. We're not. Jesus never really got into that stuff. (laughs) Jesus wasn't really concerned about the color of her skin. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to stay a statement right here at the very beginning. If we're going to be a great church, we've got to have every color in this church. We've got to have everybody. We've got to have everybody. I'm not even trying to excite you. I'm trying to excite heaven. I want heaven to know. Every color, every nationality, every social status. We don't go to Samaritan. We don't go there. We don't go there. So he sends the disciples to buy lunch. Isn't this something? Jesus sends 12 guys to buy lunch for 13. How many ladies in here, you know you don't send your husband to the grocery store hungry? I'm a nightmare at that. Did you raise your hand? (laughs) Brother Faulkner, I'm a nightmare at the grocery store if I'm hungry. Because everything looks good. We never had these, but I want it. I want it. 
Be honest. How many of, oh, we're about to get real open. How many in here have ever opened something at the grocery store while you're walking through the aisles? Thank you, Brother Jason. Thank you, sister. You have? Sister Stacy, I'm so proud of you. I'm so Who else? Anybody on this side? You ever? Look how many people. No wonder I feel so at home. <laughs> when, you're, when you're hungry, you buy stuff you don't ever have at home. Sometimes my, my wife, what? And I'm going to be honest with you, I don't like the coupons when I'm hungry. I don't care about that. Did you use, how many times have you had to ask me, did you use the coupons? Ah. I don't want the coupons and I definitely don't want to be tested on whether I used them. I don't want the quiz. Why'd you buy? Because it looked great. Fantastic. I didn't even know that was possible. <laughs> 13 people and 12 guys go get lunch. Jesus had a plan. Bible says he, the KJV says, he must needs go through Samaria. Take a journey. Take a journey. Some of you remember when navigation systems were first coming out, constantly filled with bugs. Road updates weren't in them. More than one person in this room showed up at a dead end that was supposed to be your destination. I pulled up to a dead end, Brother McFarland, at a railroad track one time, and that annoying voice kept going, you have now reached your destination. <laughs> and you know you're losing your mind when you talk back to it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I haven't. <laughs> Everything on the New Testament GPS would have been beeping and alerting for the Jew. Don't go through there. You don't go through Samaria. Don't take this trip. Don't take this road. Don't, don't go down. No, no, no. In fact, any one of the disciples would have said, don't do it. You can't look saved and go there. But he went anyway. Because he's a master of finding those that are lost. It is, it is his heartbeat to find those who are ostracized. It is, it is Brother Anderson, in fact, everything that he is about. At times the 99 that are safe remain in the safety of the pasture while the shepherd goes listening for the whimpering of one that is lost. You see it even when our, when our stained glass is showing. The, the, the shepherd that has, has gone to find the one. He's always interested. Well, we, we, we had 800, 900 people, aren't we? Fine? He's not happy if there's one that's whimpering at the well. There was a city. There was a city full of people. 
hustling and bustling. Commerce was good. The crowd was going wild. The marketplace was filled. But that side of the city we do not see. For, for some reason, for some reason in Scripture, we do not get to see nor gather the smells of the marketplace, the fresh bread that was baking, uh, even the, the working of the hyssop there in the marketplace. We, we don't get to see it. We don't get to smell it. There's no fresh hummus dipped in. The pages are dipped into for us to consider. No, we get a dry, dusty, solitary well. What are you talking about? It wasn't, it wasn't dry. No, the surroundings were. It was noon and nobody goes to the well at noon. She went to the, she went to the well at noon because she'd been married six times and was shacked up with a guy she wasn't married to. She's the lady that when she walked through that same town where everyone was being festive, moms pulled their babies to the other side of the road. Mm -hmm. You know why you go to the well at noon? Because you don't want anybody else to be there. Because you're tired of the statements of people. I'll touch something right here. The racial injustice that's been re-energized in our world. Hear me right now. That has nothing to do with the heartbeat of God. That is so far from the heartbeat of God. That is so far. I can't get away from this right here. That is so far away from the heartbeat of God. Well, they think we're this or they think we're that. They, no, 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 no. Jesus doesn't think anything but that you're a soul. And if we as the church get caught in the trap of anything else, we have stepped outside of his will. Brother Massengale, I often, I often try to imagine this particular story as a well-written article and the way that it unfolds. You know, you, you see the dust that's flying in the air. I see a little wind in my mind that's whipping around. I see Jesus walking up, easing up to her in that beautiful robe that he owned, his sandals trudging through the sand. It didn't take long for his Jewish characteristics to be revealed to her there at the well, doing her duty, her due diligence as it were. It was her noonday program. And the Jew has the audacity, number one, to even walk up to her. <laughs> <laughs> remember getting a new kid in our, in our school. I, I, had, I was a sophomore, so I had never, uh, I wasn't a freshman anymore, or as they called us, fresh meat. I, I was not. I was, a, I was a sophomore, and I was sitting there, and I had understood that there were seats in the cafeteria where you did and you did not sit. There were, there were cool tables. There were upperclassmen tables. There were jock tables. There, this, 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 that you all know what I'm talking about. This new kid showed up to class, the coolest table in the cafeteria. I didn't sit there. Not yet. This new kid walked in, walked through, got his same uh, mystery meat cafeteria tray. And walked to the coolest table in the room. I watched him. You know, there are certain parts of life where everything's in slow motion. And when you're in high school, that, that, that's a big deal. And I watched him as confident as a peacock stroll across there. And just put his tray down at the cool table. The upperclassmen cool table. 
and just sit down like he belonged. I sat there. In my mind, I began to think, oh, they're about to, they're about to wear him out. I had built up in my mind, right? They're, they're about to kick him out. Someone's going to throw a riot or some, one of those big jocks is about to pick him up and hang him by his shirt on a hook or something, you know. You know what they did? Nothing. They did nothing. He just sat there and ate. I thought to myself, I had built this thing in my mind. I had, I had created distance in my mind that was not actual reality. Because you can build in your mind what is not truth at all. He walks up to the well. Should have been trumpet sounding. Jew in the room, Jew in the room. Here come the Samaritan. No, no. You want to know what was really happening? Brother Jay, in that moment, he's the only one who would fight for her. She is so mentally perplexed and confused. She is still caught up about the difference between Jews and Samaritans when even the Samaritans wanted nothing to do with her. Hmm. We got people fighting that don't belong anywhere. That right there's a picture of where we're at in this world. People standing and they think they're with the crowd and they're fighting for people they don't even know. People that, there are right now so many agendas that don't even care about the people that are fighting for the agenda. She's sticking up for something that she's not even connected to. Think she's born into it by name alone. And here it comes. Here's the conversation. It begins to happen. It begins to take place. I'm, I'm, I'm thirsty. Imagine, imagine with me just kind of the humor tied in all this when Jesus tells this, this little isolated lady that he's thirsty. Brother Mathis, the, the layers in this. The symbolism, the typology, the historical significance that God manifest in the flesh would look at an isolated little Samaritan woman and say, hey, could you give me something to drink? As if he would, for the ages of all time, let every person that ever gathered in his presence know, you have something to give me. Doesn't matter what you've been through. You have something that I could use. I don't have anything. Oh, you do. You have enough. You have enough. I knew you'd be here. The well. The well's very deep. The well's very deep. You don't have anything to draw with. You've got nothing to get the water with. Now, in my mind, Brother Turner, I'm thinking, that's why he came to you. That's why he's talking to you. You ever think sometimes Jesus asks us to do stuff and we ask him to do it right back? Jesus, if you'll touch their heart. And he's saying, why don't you call them? Jesus, if you would just bless them. If you would, when's the last time you sent them a card? No. 
Oh, that's not going over real well. I'm going to move on. It's real, it's real deep. This conversation starts happening. If you, if you knew who it was sitting on the well, say, Pastor, she, she wasn't whimpering. What are you talking about? If you don't think that that woman was overwhelmed with her lifestyle, you have not read the text clear. Now, I don't know what happened to her previous husbands. If they all died, I would not have been number seven. <laughs> that is not a murder mystery. She's trouble. <laughs> I'm trying to decide how much fun I should have with that right there. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what happened to her. I don't know. All I know is she stopped marrying them, and now she's just living with one of them. If you knew who it was, can I tell everybody in this house something right now? If you really knew who he was, if we, I mean really, I know that we're pretty churched, but if we really knew who he was, and if we really understood the power of the Holy Ghost, we would not allow the political climate to reshape our minds. We would not allow diagnosis to deter our determination. If we really knew. But she didn't know. Or did she? Because she's about to say, we know the Messiah cometh. Our problem isn't that we, we don't think he's coming. Our problem is that we can never accept he's here. Our problem is not, is not learning how to speak in faith. Our problem is believing that faith ever gets in actual time. Our problem isn't, listen, Jesus, this is, this is good and everything, but we know. Imagine looking at the Messiah and saying, we know he's coming. Imagine looking at Christ and saying, he'll be called the Christ. But she was given a little evidence to this thought sitting on the well. Even me. Even a Samaritan. Even a Samaritan that doesn't seem accepted by my own people. I know they isolate you, but they isolate me too. I've been trying to keep up appearances. I've been trying to do my best. I, I come to the well at noon because I'm tired of the conversations and I'm tired of the talk. And I, I'm doing my best. I'm uh, the guy I'm with now. Yeah, I don't. But, but one day, one day there's going to be a Messiah. I've heard it. I've heard it talked about that there's a Messiah. and He's going to be the Christ. And when, when he shows up, he's going to tell us all things. He's, there's, a, there's a someday. There's a someday. And Jesus looked back at her. And said, someday is today. I'd like to tell some of you in this house today, it's about time for someday to become today. I thank God. Listen, 
I thank God for looking towards the future and believing in for great things to come. But I am ready to start talking as if those great things are now and as if that great day is right now because I believe it is. Brother Ranking, you know how many people are saying we cannot have revival in this political climate? I think they're wrong. You know how many people think that we cannot have revival in this COVID climate? I think they're wrong. Brother Armado, I think that someday can be this day right here and right now. It doesn't matter what side of the tracks you're from. It doesn't matter what you look like, what you talk like. It doesn't. All that matters is, do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe that he is? He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Come on, you ought to lift your voice if you're a believer. If you're a believer, you ought to lift your voice and tell him, I believe, I believe, I believe. Let someday be today. Call your husband, she said. Oh, and here's where the story gets unpackaged. Well, I'm not actually... No, no, no. He, he begins to talk to her. They, you've said well because you've been married and now you're living. I perceive that thou art a prophet. Part of my humor in this would like to tell her everybody knows. <laughs> you've gone through six husbands. Everybody knows. You know, some of us spend so much energy trying to hide things that everybody knows. Yes, Jesus was a prophet. He was the Messiah in flesh, but he didn't need that to know. Quit wasting your energy trying to hide things that don't determine who you are anyway. Your past does not define you. I want to uncuff some of you right now. Your past does not define you. So you messed up. Pastor, you, you, you don't know what I did. He knows. And if he forgave you, then I must. Mm. You get in a dangerous place. When you start bringing up what God already forgave. They have this conversation. Somehow, this woman that's whimpering at the well turns into the greatest evangelist that her city has ever seen. Wait, 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 wait a minute. Wait a minute. What? I that speak unto them, he, upon this came his disciples and marveled. Oh, yeah, they were, yeah, they were pretty upset. Why are you talking to this woman? Imagine that. You know what? Go there. This is going to be fun. 
Verse 27. Marveled that he talked with a woman. Watch this, but here it is. Yet no man said, what seekest thou? Or why talkest thou with her? Brother Myers, they're all thinking, what are you looking for? Why are you talking to her? Why are you? You want to know what they were thinking? Let me give you the JBC. Why are you wasting your time with her? I'm going to tell you what I told Brother Lopez and I told Brother Gallion. I walked up to them both in worship. Sorry, I talked during worship service. Had been baptized when the people were being baptized. I said, I want, I, you can verify this, both of you. I walked up to both of them. I said, I want us to start getting a mental picture when people are baptized of where we see them in a year from now. Where we want them to be. I want to get a mental image. Those that were baptized here today, I am so, we rejoice in your baptism and what God has done. I want you to know this church loves you. We love you. We welcome you. But I want to tell you something, okay? We're interested in where you'll be a year from now. We want you to be thriving members in this church. We want, we want everything God has for your, it's bigger than baptism alone. It's bigger than just this process. And this process is critically important. Jesus wasn't talking to her for just what was meant to happen that day. Jesus had a future in mind. And the disciples were, why are you doing this? Why are you talking to her? But they didn't have the guts to say it. Because a lot of people can act religious He calls them out on what they're dealing with here. The woman, the woman left her water pot, verse 28. I don't have time to preach all this, I won't, so don't get nervous. She runs into town. Look at verse 29. Somebody pull out, we're gonna do like an old testament or an old old-fashioned sword drill. First person to get it, verse 29, stand up and read it real loud. Go ahead. I saw you waited. You had it. Come see a man which told me. He told me all my business. Isn't your question going to be, what did he tell you? Well, told me my stuff. Isn't it amazing that in the revelation of who she was, she got a revelation of who he was. And that revelation, that moment, that experience, that expression of love where he said, I'll put something inside of you. I know your past, but I'll still put something in you. I know what you've been through, but I still got plans for you. I know how far you've been, but I showed you I'll come as far as you've been to get to where you are. I know you traveled a long way, but I've been with you the whole. I saw you when you were alone. I saw you when you were by yourself. I saw you when you felt neglected. I'm telling somebody in the house, he saw you when you cried alone. He saw you when you felt like you were all by yourself. He saw you at the well, and he's heard your whimpering from the well, and he showed up here today to tell you you are not alone you are not alone you are not by yourself 
I'm going to go from talking to individuals to talking to the whole church. I know we feel a little ostracized right now. I know we feel a little hated for his namesake right now in the political and the social climate. But I'm going to tell you, he hears when we whimper at the well. He hears. He is not confused on the state of his church. And he knows that every promise he gave us is true. Yes. And the disciples are still confused. I'm wrapping up, landing gears down. Here she goes, Brother Ross, preaching. The girl that didn't want to talk to nobody. Because when you have a real life change, people that wouldn't listen before will listen now. The lady who couldn't get a friend gathered an entire community. Because he'll change you. When he changes you, he'll change the way people look at you. Some of you that used to be uh, addicted to alcohol and cigarettes and drugs, you know this. When he changes you, some of you that used to lie a little too much or have a foul mouth, when he changes you. Now, some people won't want to be your friend anymore. But there's other people that will follow you like a moth to a flame. She goes and starts witnessing to everybody because he took not only her not only her moment, but he took her, her future by giving her a new testimony. Whew. Jesus will give you something good to talk about. Yeah, he will. But watch this. Here's where we're at. The disciples are still confused. Brother Turner, they're the ones going to every service. They're the one washing his feet. But they're still hungry. Still haven't eaten, carrying the food. They come walking up, carrying McDonald's bags. Oh, what is he doing? Why is he? Oh, why is he talking? She scampers off. Jesus, what? I mean, I got a Big Mac just the way you like it. Some little IBC girl, I don't know where she's at. I walked in. She was eating a full Big Mac in the lobby that day. I said, that's a big sandwich. She looked back at me without pausing, said I could have eaten two. I was offended for her body, but oppressed in my mind. I was impressed in my mind. In the meanwhile, the disciples said, Master, eat. Eat. You need something. I'm going to take something that's self-serving for me and make, act like it's for you. I don't have time to flesh that out. I'd like to. This was not about him. This was about them. But they did it under the ruse of eat. Eat. And what they're really thinking is, I'm ready to eat. Eat. You need to eat because you must have lost your mind coming through Samaria. You're not thinking clear. Eat. 
How are you going to tell the guy that went 40 days without anything, I need you to eat a little something. I need you to get a little bite. I have meat to eat that you know not of. Oh, they were not ready for that. They gulped hard. Um, come again. My meat is to do the will of him that sent me. Say ye, there are yet four months and then cometh the harvest. Let us get through this tragedy and then cometh the harvest. Let them come up with a vaccine and, and then cometh the harvest. You're waiting on things to get right. That's what he told them. You're waiting on things to get right. But I came because things are wrong. You came to me as though you're, conf you're confused with why I'm here and, and as though you're concerned with what I'm not putting in my body, but I'm feasting on things you don't even comprehend. I'm here for one reason. You keep thinking that, that revival is coming and I'm trying to tell you revival is here. Lift up your eyes. He said, get your eyes a little higher than the lunch bags. Get your eyes looking. How are you going to look across Samaria and see white fields? Because these are the people no one's reaching. What? What are you talking about? What are you talking about? You're not even supposed to be here. We're not supposed to reach these kind of people. We're not supposed to have this. When I picture revival, this isn't the revival I picture. When I, pictured, when I pictured reaching people, it was just my family. Hmm. But the truth is, he's trying to make them become your family. He's trying to bring them from outside of your geographic boundaries and barriers. I'm talking to somebody right now in this house. That feels like you've been alone. I'm talking to people right now that are wearing a smile, but you feel inside like you are all alone. I want you to throw your hands towards heaven all over this house. I, I want you to lift your hands right now, and right where you're seated, I want you to begin to call on Jesus. I know that Messiah. If you know his name, I want you to begin to say. The name of Jesus Christ. Huh. 